Support for NHPR Something Wild comes from you, our listeners, and from the New Hampshire Chiropractic Association, an organization of professionals providing a non-invasive, non-surgical approach to health care. Tailoring treatment plans to meet individuals' needs. Learn more at nhchiropractic.org. Hi, this is Dave Anderson from the Forest Society, and this is Something Wild. I'm with Ron Davis, who's a retired professor from the University of Maine, Orono, who has taught ecology, limnology, and wetland science for many years and is still involved in publication. Welcome, Ron. Thank you. Glad to be here. We're going to talk today about peatlands, which is a generalized term for bogs and fens. Um, The difference between bogs and fens is that uh, bogs are rather infertile environments. The uh, plants that grow in them barely hold on and eke out an existence and grow very, very slowly. Fens, on the other hand, usually have uh, shallower peat and uh, the water that comes to the surface and feeds the roots of the plants has been in contact with mineral soils and consequently is generally uh, richer, more fertile, and the plants grow better in fens. Can you tell us a little bit about the plant communities that define a fen and a bog? Now, there are only certain plants that can survive in these environments. Either they have to be living up on hummocks, uh, which give them a little bit of oxygenated soil, or they have to have piping uh, within their bodies that allow them to transport oxygen down to their roots. Are there animal species, insects, birds, mammals, that you associate with peatlands in New England? Most of the uh, bird life seems to be uh, associated mainly with the structure of the ecosystem. So open areas like fields and open peatlands will have the same species. Lincoln sparrow, a palm warbler, Mm -hmm. are found in open peatlands, but also in other open environments. And what about mammals? The browsing mammals, like deer, don't hang out in in peatlands very much. Mm. Uh, The browse is uh, not among their favorites. Mm For insects that normally pupate or winter underground, they don't have that opportunity in bogs. Uh, unless they can um, do that in an uh, oxygen-free environment, no. And so they have to overwinter on the plants and form cocoons to get through the winter above. Exactly. And uh, there are many species of insect uh, that um, are uh, herbivores on the bog plants. There are a number of uh, rather interesting insects that do live in bogs. There are some insects that lay their eggs in pitcher plants. Right, which is a carnivorous plant that eats or consumes, liquefies some insects, but there are mosquitoes that are adapted to survive and live within the cup of a pitcher plant. So I think of Little Shop of Horrors where we have these (laughs) carnivorous plants, you know, eating insects. Well, peatlands, uh, bogs and fens are probably, as a category, uh, the wildest places in New Hampshire except for the tops of mountains. So what do you attribute Uh, that to, that they're the wildest? They remain wild because they're not easily developed and also they're not easily traversed. So uh, many people have never visited them uh, because it's difficult to walk in them. And that's why boardwalks have become so important in New Hampshire's wetlands. So in a way, 
these bogs defied civilization because they just weren't suitable for development, and now that's been their salvation, and they're among the wildest places, as you say, and people have come to appreciate them in their own right. Yes, they are real wild places. Yes, thank you for You're being welcome. with us today. You're welcome. Dr. Ronald Davis is a retired professor from the University of Maine. I'm Dave Anderson. Something Wild is a joint production of New Hampshire Audubon, the Society for the Protection of New Hampshire Forests, and NHPR. Thank you.